My name is Lily Madden, and I'm a proud Aranda, Bunjalung, Kalkadun woman from Gadigal country. The Daily Oz acknowledges that this podcast is recorded on the lands of the Gadigal people and pays respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander nations. We pay our respects to the first peoples of these countries, both past and present. Good morning and welcome to The Daily Oz. It is Monday the 7th of November. I'm Sam. I'm Nina. On today's episode, we're going to be having a chat to Tom Crowley about the upcoming Victorian election. That's right. It's time to do the election cycle once again, not on a national scale, but still a very important national event. Plenty more on the Victorian election straight after the stories. Nina, what's making headlines this morning? The COP27 climate conference has begun in Egypt as leaders from around the world gather to look at progress on climate pledges. Prime Minister Anthony Albanese won't be attending this year's COP27 because of a, quote, busy schedule that includes sitting weeks in Parliament and international conferences. Climate change and energy minister Chris Bowen will lead Australia's delegation in his place. The US midterms kick off tomorrow, with polls beginning to close at 9am Wednesday morning AEDT. While President Biden is not on the ballot, the elections are widely seen as an indirect expression of the views of voters on his presidency and the current direction of the US. ACT police have found the body of an eight-year-old boy in the same pond where his mother and brother were discovered dead on Saturday. The circumstances surrounding the deaths remain unknown. And some good news to kick off your week, Iceland Air, the national airline of Iceland, has become one of the first national airlines in the world to declare their domestic flights will be totally carbon-free by 2030. How are they going to do this? They've announced they will only use electric or hydrogen-powered planes for local trips. It was only a few months ago that we were sitting around on the podcast talking about us all going to the ballot to vote in the federal election. That was in May. And now here we are in November and we're going to be talking about another election. This one's got a bit of a shorter run-up and it applies to less people, but nonetheless, it is a national issue. We're talking about the state of Victoria and their elections in a couple of weeks. Tom, our resident Victorian, you're going to be voting in a couple of weeks. Now, the first thing to say is that you're sounding a bit husky this morning and not because of a big weekend, but because you're still recovering from the mammoth effort that was the federal budget. What's it like on the streets at the moment in Victoria? Yes, thank you, Sam. And apologies if I do sound a little bit husky. My voice box took a bit of a beating, I think, during Budget Week. But uh, I'm very much looking forward to the Victorian election. It's a big one. Uh, of course, it's been a busy few years for Victoria since the last time we had an election in 2018. Uh, a little thing called COVID, of course, was a, a big deal everywhere, but a big deal in Victoria. Melbourne became the most locked down city in the world. Uh, it's left people, I think, a little bit uh, maybe a little bit scarred and it's going to be interesting to see what sort of a role that plays in the election. There are a number of other issues to get into as well. I think it's going to be a really fascinating few weeks. Well, before we get into who's in the red corner, who's in the blue corner and, and some of the big people at the centre of this election, I wanted to stick with COVID. Do you think this will be the COVID election? Yeah, it's, it's hard to say. I, I think there's, I, I go two ways on it, Sam. I mean, I think, you know, it was a big deal and it did shape a lot of people's views of this government. I think there were certainly some people who became so hardened in their views either for the government or against the government during the pandemic that that will shape their vote. I think in general in elections, I mean, when you th think back to the federal election, I don't think COVID played a huge role in that election. People were more interested 
our audience was more interested in looking to the future and talking about policies. I suspect that'll be the case again. But but I think it is hard to escape the idea that, you know, leaving COVID aside, that this election is being talked about as the Daniel Andrews election. You know, he, he became such a larger-than-life figure during the pandemic. I think he's now probably one of the most recognisable politicians in the country. It's funny, I think back to when he first became Premier and there used to be this running joke people would call him Andrew Daniels, sort of, you know, uh, I, I guess sending up the fact that nobody could remember his name. Well, that's certainly not the case now. He's he's this very polarising figure. There's a group of people who uh, love him and fiercely defend him. There are a group of people who hate him and will, will never vote for him or his government again. Uh, and so I think that, that, you know, there is a bit of a view that that this is a bit of a referendum on on what the state thinks of their Premier. And if you look at the opinion polls that ask people, you know, who they prefer out of Labor and Liberal, that would suggest the people of Victoria have given him a pretty resounding uh, vote of support. So at the moment he's, I think it's about 60% to 40% or something like that, which is huge. I mean, that's not even close. So at the moment, if you look at those polls, that would suggest that that Labor's on the way to another landslide victory and another four years for, for Andrews. I think, though, there's a bit of a sense that when you look a little closer, it's more complicated than that. Of course, as we know, just like we don't directly elect our prime ministers, we don't directly elect our premiers either. We elect local representatives. And when you look at individual local races, there's a sense that this might be a little bit more complicated. And as I say, that the fact that Andrews is such a controversial figure might map out into different parts of the city where there are really different views on him. So there's a bit of a sense, for example, that in some of the, I guess, more economically disadvantaged areas like the western suburbs of Melbourne, typically really strong labour areas, but there's a lot of anger about the pandemic and about Andrews in particular. And the Liberals are hoping they can capitalise there. There are some sort of anti-Dan independents and minor parties that are hoping to to have some success there. So that's at play. Then on the other hand, there, you know, I, I guess in some of the wealthier suburbs, places like Hawthorne and Kew, Labor's probably looking to do a lot better than it normally would have. Though Those are communities that tended to have a more favourable view of of lockdowns uh, and maybe had less of a, an economic fallout from those lockdowns. So it's all, you know, some strange things are happening. There's some greens in the mix. Greens are hoping to pick up two or three seats. Uh, there are a bunch of sort of teal independents, similar to what we saw in the federal election, running on sort of climate change and integrity as their main issues. So there are lots of just different moving parts. So even though, as I say, this is viewed as this Dan Andrews referendum, and even though Labor's looking very strong in the polls, there's some sense that we don't know exactly how that's going to map out. Tell me a little bit more about the leader of the Liberal Party. And so when we're seeing a kind of debate amongst the premiers uh, or the potential premiers on TV in the next couple of weeks, who's going to be opposite Dan Andrews? Yeah, well, I mentioned before that I think just about everyone in the country knows who Daniel Andrews is. Uh, it's a bit of a harder job for state opposition leaders. They don't often get a lot of attention and and I guess they're relatively unknown. Uh, Matthew Guy, though, who's the leader of the Liberal Party, will be familiar to a lot of Victorians. Uh, he ran last time in 2018. Uh, it was not a very successful election for the Liberals last time, it's fair to say. Guy was plagued by a number of, I guess, corruption allegations. There was the famous, one of my favourite ever headlines, uh, lobster with a mobster scandal, where he was kind of accused of of having dinner, having lobster with a, with a kind of an Italian crime figure. I think if you're going to have dinner with a mobster, lobster is the worst possible food choice just for the sheer punning potential of that. But anyway, uh, so that was part of the campaign. There was a lot of controversy about the Liberal government's campaign against what it described as an African gang crime problem and a lot of issues that, that plagued that campaign last time that was a really big win for Dan Andrews and Labor. And so Guy lost the leadership after that. 
Uh, it was a guy called Michael O'Brien who replaced him. Some people might remember Michael O'Brien from the pandemic. Uh, he didn't last very long. The Liberals brought Matthew Guy back because they felt like he was maybe better placed to to take the fight to, to Daniel Andrews to to kind of argue over the pandemic and and to try and run that negative line for people who were frustrated by Andrews. So Matthew Guy's back. Uh, but as I say, I mean, the, the polls don't suggest that he has a, a very large chance of, of being Premier. And that's where the focus on these independents and, and Greens has also come into picture. And what would you say are the two or three big policy areas that are being discussed in the context of the state election? Well, one of them is integrity. I mentioned some of those scandals that have been associated with Matthew Guy. Well, there have been plenty associated with Daniel Andrews and Labor as well. So Victoria's anti-corruption body made a finding of, you know, a culture of improper behaviour within the Victorian Labor Party, which is reflected on on the Premier and, and reflected on others. And, and so both parties, I think, are quite keen to, you know, contribute more funding and extra teeth to the corruption watchdogs and to, to show that they're taking kind of the integrity of, of political institutions seriously. And I think that that's kind of been a big feature of the campaign. The other one's infrastructure. I mean, you know, state governments and state elections are quite often about building things. It's a big part of, you know, what we expect from state governments and what state governments do. So, you know, when it comes to the, the Labor government, their focus really is on these big rail projects. So over the last few years, Melbourne City has had big holes being dug in it to, to build a new metro line. That's going to be supplemented by an airport rail link and another rail link that kind of links up some of the outer suburbs. So that's kind of the big Labor platform. The Liberals oppose that last bit, the suburban rail thing. Um, their focus is more on, on funding road projects. The Greens, meanwhile, are, are calling for billions of dollars to be spent on what they're describing as um, bicycle superhighways. So I guess you can see there some, some maybe ideologically different approaches to transport uh, among the three different parties. So that's another big issue. Uh, then there's energy and climate. So Victoria has been right at the centre of all of the problems that we've had in the in the national electricity market recently. You remember all of the gas problems we had during winter. That's become a bit of a political issue as well. Um, all of the parties are committed to, to reaching net zero emissions at different timelines, but they have different views about what we should do in the, in the shorter term. Uh, so Labor wants to basically get the government involved in, in building and operating more renewable power. The Liberals have been focused a little bit more on how you can maximise the amount of gas that we have in the short term. So there's, there's a bit of a debate to be had there. Uh, so they're kind of some of the main issues. Th those and maybe the last one I'll mention is the health system. Again, I guess flowing on from the pandemic, the Liberals are really emphasising, you know, long ambulance wait times and elective surgery wait times. And, and there's a lot of talk from, from both sides about what can be done to recruit more health staff members and, and to build the capacity of the health sector back up. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. Bit of a weird question to finish, but it's been on my mind a lot over the weekend and I wanted to put it to you now. Why should people outside Victoria care about the Victorian election? Uh, well, I mean, I suppose maybe the first thing I'd say is, you know, you don't, don't really have to. I mean, I'm not going to have a go at anybody in a different state who tunes out a little bit about Victoria's elections. Uh, but I, I guess, you know, I mean, Australia is a pretty small country and what happens in one state can have spillover over effects to other states. I mean, you look through the pandemic and you look at how much the responses of different state premiers had a, a flow-on effect to people who lived in other states. You know, if you wanted to get home and visit family members, um, if you wanted to, you know, visit a particular state that was under lockdown, you know, the way that the state premiers were able to coordinate um, together was a really 
important thing for the whole country. Uh, of course, the you know that that sort of the lockdown phase of the pandemic is certainly over, but there are a number of other issues. I mean, climate change is another one. It's probably you know maybe 10, 15 years ago, most of the climate change action was focused on the federal government, but in the last few years, state governments now have their own renewable energy targets. They're big parts of the push to take on more renewable power and and I guess the push to take climate change seriously and reduce emissions, you know, and then it comes to, you know, when it comes to infrastructure projects and all the other little bits and pieces, things that, that individual states do can matter for the whole country as well. Thanks for that, Tom. That is all we've got time for today on The Daily Oz, but big announcement. The final episode of The Mirror is now live in your podcast feed, so we have a full set. Go and have a listen to it. Let me know what you think of the finale. And uh, otherwise, we'll speak to you tomorrow.